Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your candidate or career search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston, executive recruiter with VIP, also director of recruiting, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, I have brought you once again, a very, very special guest. And I just want to give everybody a quick warning. This is going to be a pretty deep topic and it could be a raw topic. So I do want to advise viewer discretion when listening to this topic. Um, But let me introduce our guest so we can get started. We've got a lot to talk about today. So my guest today is Amy Fulmer, author of Don't Trip Potato Chip, the book that ushers in a new era for grief-stricken parents, family, and friends with step-by-step excuse me, step-by-step, real-life healing processes. Her inspiring story shows us that grief is difficult, but it's also manageable. And it's opened up, the her work has opened up a new conversation about child bereavement and about returning to work and how those employers can embrace you. So, Amy, thank you so much. This has been a long time coming. It has, Casey, and I want to thank you for having me on. Um, and actually, the truth be known, with the lockdown, um, it's shed such a new light on the importance of having processes in place because now, you know, it, there's so much grief and so much turmoil and so much loss coming into our lives that it's actually more important than ever that this topic, we get, we get down to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it is so important too. And, you know, it was so interesting because I like to tell people how I met them. And I saw you on a podcast with Sean McBride and I reached out to him and I said, I have to meet that lady. You have to make an introduction. And he did. And then later, just by chance, we ended up at the same conference, the Smart Film Conference. And you know what, Casey, was exactly one year ago this week. I know because it's happening again this week. Yes. And I thought about that today and oh my God, what a year it's been and meeting you was, I mean, the enrichment and, and just to, you know, let your audience viewership know, um, we're both angel moms and we're both recruiters. Yeah. Which is crazy. So let's, let's talk about you a little bit. Tell us about your story and what brought you to write your book. Don't trip potato chip. Okay. So long story short is, um, I am, uh, first and foremost, the Director of Recruitment at Future Tech Staffing. I own two staffing agencies, Future Tech Staffing and Future Tech Temps, Inc. I raised my son um, as a single mom and running a very robust staffing agency, very robust, very successful, headquartered out of Los Angeles, Marina Del Rey. Um, I mean, I didn't have time to scratch my nose. (laughs) So... um, In 2014, my world literally came to an end. Um, My son died tragically. He was 19. And it was like I was going down the freeway at 150 miles an hour, and I hit a brick wall. So um, I tried to return to work. I could not. I was ineffective. I was lost. Um, I had no business being at my job, and this was a job I knew and loved. 
I literally had gaps of memories where my accountant said, don't you remember, Amy, we, you authorized me to sign off on this? I mean, months and months, gaps of time were missing. So I realized how derailing grief was. And I kept saying, why isn't anybody talking about this? I mean, why is this such a uh, taboo topic? So I labeled it death cooties. So in my journey, I, um, I thought about selling my business. I couldn't work, but my business, thank God, ran itself. The processes I had put into place kicked in. And fundamentally for two to three years, I wasn't even there. During that period of time, I contemplated suicide. Uh, it was on the table, I'm not gonna lie. And through a series of events, I um, decided to write a parent survival checklist. And I wrote it. And I put up a little website, which is my name, amyfilmer.com, and put up a little Facebook page. And within Casey, I wanna say, I don't know, four weeks, the survival checklist went viral in over 75 countries. That is crazy. And I had never been on social media, so I had no idea of what was happening. I mean, it was blowing up. So what I realized is um, having processes, having a checklist, having a call to action in the face of catastrophe, loss, and grief was obviously hitting a nerve with so many people. And when I reflected back on my life um, after my son died, I was so fortunate to have family members, community, therapists, but everybody was sort of like a deer in the headlights. It was like they just didn't know what to say or do, and they wanted to help. So I think where the checklist really came to into its own was it was something you could print out and you still can print it out. You can give it to a neighbor, a family member, a friend, a sister, and it gives some somebody something to do when you're at wit's end. So I realized the power in the checklist. Um, then after I started writing my book, and my book is a global selling book. Uh, the last time I checked, it's still five stars on Amazon, which I'm quite proud of. Um, it's an awesome book. Thank you, Casey. I enjoyed and it. Interestingly enough, some of my <laughs> biggest fans are people that have never lost children. I mean, just, just from a human curiosity, lots and lots of accolades from people who said, this is just the best book I've ever read. So I was very happy with that product. And then one day I was working with one of my angel moms, which I talked to angel moms all over the world. And I work with them. And I started to hear rumblings about when they went back to work after their child died. Now, given that I was lucky that I own my own business and I could have the luxury of just not going, but people get two or three days off and then back to work, hit the deck running. Um, and people don't understand it just doesn't go like that. That's not how this works at all. So I started hearing Casey these horrific, now when I say horrific, I mean horrific stories of, I will put them in the category of abuse, and I don't use that word lightly, where people said rude things, um, you know, they would just not understand the pain that the parent was in, and 
parents were writing to me, they would sit in their car at lunch crying. They were fired. They were let go. And I said, wow, I don't think these employers understand. I just don't think they know what is happening. So I got the idea to write a workplace grief checklist. So I took all of my years of staffing, of which you know I'm legally and technically a subject matter expert. I'm one of the few in the United States that I go in and I weigh in all kinds of legal actions. And when people have mergers and acquisitions and when there's lawsuits, they pull me in as an objective third party. So I, I think I pretty much know that. And so I thought, well, if I put together a package that is like a checklist for corporate America, where it's one and done, and if there's a loss, catastrophe, death surrounding the workplace, how can they stop and contain that contagion? So it doesn't spiral out of control. They get a wrongful termination lawsuit. They end up losing valuable employees. Contagion hits the workplace. People get weird, loss of production. So I did just that. So out of that came my program, The Empathic Employer, which the website is empathicemployer.com. And we have three tiers to the program. And uh, we are in the process of launching. It got a little delayed with the COVID, but that's okay. I think the timing is great. Um, and it's a downloadable, the tier one is a downloadable actual checklist. So it is simple, effective. It's a call to action when grief and crisis hit the workplace. And what do we have right now? More grief, more crisis globally. I mean, I've never seen so many people undone as they are right now. You know, and I want to go back to something you said earlier. I mean, that is just a ton of information that you've just given us. But one of the things I wanted to share with you that I do is, and I just did this the other day, I had a client that had a grief episode. And the first thing I did was send them to the survival checklist because they were like, we don't know how to even talk to this person right now. And so thank you for that. Casey, this was an employee? It was an employee. It was a very high-level employee. Okay, the, because the, the, the tier one is available for purchase on the Empathic Employer website, just so you know. That is up okay. and running. Okay. And you can download that and purchase it, and um, it's, it's re ready to go now. Okay. I will definitely let them know that, but I've also used it with friends and family, and I mean, Please. it's it's been so helpful, so really thank you for that. Um, do you mind if I ask why you named your book, Don't Trip Potato Chip? Well, um, you actually, uh, I tell people it's kind of a secret meeting, a meaning in the book, um, and you probably remember this. Um, my son's favorite expression was when I would get upset, he would say, Mom, don't trip potato chip. And it was the sweetest thing. And the night he died, in my mind, I knew something wasn't right on a soul level. And I just kept repeating to myself like a mantra, don't trip potato chip, everything's gonna be okay. So I decided to name my book that. I love because, that and I think that's important for people to know. Yeah, and because actually it is okay. It is, it, it is. is. So what are some of your, what? Are, what are some of your, our struggles um, returning, or what were some of your struggles returning to the workplace initially? 
Oh, Casey, this is such a good question. And it's the, I think probably one of the most important questions you'll ask this whole time. Um, in my life, I never thought I would be so ineffective. I knew my job inside and out. I mean, I could wake up in the middle of the night, any deal, any candidate, any position, any process. I built my business from the ground up. I wrote all the programs. I wrote the recruiting software. I designed all my templates. I hired, I trained, I brought in the business. I knew my job. When I got to work, what I didn't underestimate, um, first of all, as you know, grieving is physical. I had no idea. Like physical things happen to you when you grieve. Neurologically, it's like something, it was like someone gave me a lobotomy. Mm. I couldn't think, I couldn't focus. I felt disoriented. Um, I would break down in hysterics out of the blue, and I'm not an overtly emotional person. I mean, as a girl, I when I get to work, I'm pretty, I'm a steady Eddie. Mm-hmm. I'm known for that. Um, I don't come out of left field and you know go off on a rant on top of you. I'm not abusive in the workplace. So that's kind of don't think I am. <laughs> um, we have I, one of your employees next week. <laughs> right, right, right. Just right. kidding. <laughs> um, and I was shocked at. I got to work. And I would sit there for hours in a fog and I, I couldn't. And then my to-do list kept getting bigger and bigger. And then things kept piling up. And then I would spiral down and I was physically sick. I was sick. Casey, my body was sick. And my heart was sick. And I couldn't control my mind. And I, I was ineffective. I was 100% ineffective, and no matter what I did, I couldn't rein in my resources in my head to do my job. And that's when I looked at my processes, and I had a a talk with my accountant, who's also my controller, and one of my chief recruiters. And and this was after I tried to go back to work uh, for about eight months. Mm -hmm. And I said, guys, listen, I'm making mistakes at work. I mean, this is not good. And I said, I need more time. And I said, I'm going to have to go home. And they said, Amy, you've built this business. The systems are in place. That's when I understood, here's the impact of the employer, you know, <laughs> systems, policies and procedures. I had those in place to run my business. So they kicked in. And all the training that my recruiters had kicked in. And I went home for two years. That's incredible. And you're right. Many people don't have, aren't fortunate enough to have that ability to stay home for two years. So I know. And so during those two years, that's what I was doing, working with my angel moms on Facebook. And I started to hear from them what it was like to go back to work. And then I started to do some research that the average bereavement leave for a child in America is three days. Now, like Facebook has a generous uh, parental leave, that's 10 days. But you've got to understand when a baby's born, what is it now, six months or something? They do, or when they get six to eight weeks or? Uh, I think it's like 12 weeks. 12 weeks. And it's mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So think about it. When a child dies, it's a birth in reverse, you know? So why don't you get the same? That's interesting. I had not thought about it like that. So how can employers make the transition back into the workplace easier for the bereaved? What can they do? (laughs) They can have a process in place. Can you give them one tip? 
yes, I absolutely, I would love to give them a tip. Um, understand that your employee who's coming back that's in a grief state of mind is doing the best they can. Casey, I cannot tell you how hard it is, and they're trying really, really hard. And until you've walked in those shoes, as you have and I have, you can't imagine how difficult it is some days just to get up and put your clothes on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So just please know that I understand the workplace. You've got to bring down production. You've got projects that have to happen. Work has to take place. Profits need to come down. I understand all of that. But your employee, especially if they're high level, they're doing minute by minute the very best they know how. And just give them a little bit of grace. Absolutely. What, what would you say are some of the, or maybe a couple of the mistakes that employers make when those employees come back? Well, number one, um, I think they think three or four days is enough. Yes, I agree. Okay. Number two, the mistake they don't understand, it's physical. Um, people get sick. Mm -hmm. Grief manifests. It can manifest everything from blisters to rashes to a depression, suicide, eating disorders, drug abuse, uh, marital problems. I mean, the divorce rate amongst oh, people yeah. lose a child is like 82% or something. So if they can just understand that the paradigm of that employee, the employee that you hired is not the employee that you now have. Okay, so what you need to understand is that legally and process-wise, if you think you want to save that person, then you're going to need a process like mine to walk you through how to get them from not productive back to a level of production that makes economic sense for your company. That's good stuff right there. That is really good. And, you know, I will share, I was very fortunate when I had my grief episode, the company I worked for at the time was very compassionate and gave me as much time as I wanted. But I, I, I personally didn't want a lot of time. I needed to get right back into, and that's for me, it's not for everybody. Exactly. Um, but when I did come back, if I needed to leave early, because I wasn't quite ready, I could do whatever I wanted. And there was a lot of compassion there. So I truly appreciated them. And, and you know what, Casey, I loved hearing that. And um, in the very first page of my uh, program is a letter written to the employers from me. And I said, are you an empathic employer or not? It's your choice. And clearly, uh, VIP are empathic employers. You don't need a program. I mean, you could have a program like mine. It would benefit you because it opens up other areas. It's, it's mm -hmm. a very mind-expanding program. But I would say, I'm just guesstimating, uh, this is sheer guesstimate, probably about 25 to 30% of the employers nationwide are already empathic employers. Now, after this uh, episode called the coronavirus, what I think is more than ever, compassion within the workplace, whether it's remote workplace, I think this has opened up a whole new universe. 
because people have had to be compassionate and patient with their people. And now I don't think we're ever going to go back to what we had before in the workplace because this is, this, is this is a game changer. What we're going through now by working at home, and this is a game changer. And a program like mine is super effective because it gets you thinking about what do you want from, from the top on down. This program is from the top on down. Do What do you want to be? What do you want your workplace corporate wellness program to be? Do you care or do you not care? And if you don't care, that's okay too. I'm not passing judgment, but don't tell your people you care and then fire them, you know, on day four because they started crying in the bathroom or, or walk by their desk two weeks later and say, you know, isn't it time to get over it when they're kind of sniffling? I. 100% agree. I really do. And I think I agree with you too, that once we do go back, once we are released from the shelter in place, I think that, I think the work landscape is going to look very, very different. Oh, so, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad no, thing. No, so. I don't think it's a bad thing either. Um, I think, you know, it goes hand in hand. In fact, it's almost like this program was written for it because what it does is in the beginning of the program, it has like a little process how to get it started. Super simple, by the way. I mean, I know there's no one busier than HR people, senior management, executive, C-suite. They don't have time. This makes it so simple. It's like a one and done. And, but they have to do, they have to dialogue and mm -hmm. they have to come up with a corporate mission statement. Where do they stand? But the cool thing is, is once you do that, the mental process of coming up with that corporate mission statement, it bleeds into the workplace. And just the mere fact of walking through this will help them now when people come back to work. Cause you're absolutely right. The paradigm shift has changed. It has. I, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier because it was on my list to ask you and you mentioned death cooties. So mm -hmm. what are they and how do they affect the workplace? Okay. Very quickly. Um, I, I, I called it death cooties. It happened to me. I was walking down the street in my town right after my son had died and I saw some community members. Um, they were on the other side of the street. They pointed at me, they whispered, and then they took a route around so they wouldn't have to see mm. me. Yeah. So I felt like there was something wrong with me. I felt like I had cooties. I understand. I do. When, when you go back to work, because our culture doesn't teach us how to grieve, no one knows how to do it, it's so normal to be very awkward in the workplace. Like, okay, Jane's coming back to work today. Her son committed suicide or whatever, for, God forbid, happened. Her husband died. Her sister died. Her mom died. People get awkward and don't know what to say. That is death cooties. And from a grief perspective, that's the worst thing you could do is say nothing. You're better off, I tell people, just to go up and look at someone, tear up and say, I, I just, I want to give you a hug. And that's it. You don't have to say a lot. In fact, less is more. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, I feel like this is the least I've talked on a podcast because you have so much valuable information. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting here nodding my head. And so <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> so um, in today's work environment, um, job candidates prioritize company culture when considering leaving a job or accepting a job offer. How does empathy play into company culture and how does it improve retention? Oh, Casey, bingo. 
dead on, you get a uh, gold star on the refrigerator. <laughs> well, that's the reason, the whole reason for uh, purchasing my program. I mean, if you're going to purchase something from a company perspective, you want an ROI. Okay, so you get this great program. If you save one employee, well, this is pennies on the dollar if you save an employee, but this is the deal. As the younger people come up, the millennials come up, the statistics are showing medically, emotionally, and every other way that empathy in the workplace is one of the top priorities. And millennials will leave a job if they're not if there's not empathy in the workplace. That is very true. I have heard that too. What is, other than your program, I know that your program is amazing. I've been so excited to tell people about it, but what other resources might be available for employers and employees who are returning to the workplace? Wow, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, Well, of course, my book um, Mm, and my parent survival checklist. I also am a big believer um, in actual therapy if you can afford it and you don't need a lot of it um and being honest with your therapist about returning to the workplace like socially how do you interact but of course the program covers so much of that but case this is the reason why i'm so passionate about my work there's just nothing out there there's very little out there that deals with this grief loss in the workplace there's just not Gotcha. So what is one piece of advice you wish you could share with grieving individuals to help them reenter the workforce? Well, aside from um, they're doing the best they can, you will never know how difficult their days are. Like unless you've lost someone, and I call it a tier one family member, sister, brother, mother, husband, Mm -hmm. child unless you've been through that, you just can't know the struggle. And so just know what you don't know. Just say, you know what, I'm going to give this person a get out of jail free card for a while because I've never been there. And maybe I think they're acting a little cray cray, but um, they're a damn good employee. And we don't want to throw the bathwater out with a baby. They've been with us for years. Their production is off the charts. They've got all this intellectual property in their head that knows about our company. We'd be lost without them. And we're just going to have to show some compassion and work through this if you want to be an empathic employer. That's up to you. Well, and I think one piece of advice I'd like to give those that are returning to work after a grief episode is, you know, everyone handles it differently. For you, it was two years. For me, it was a week, which, but that's the way I operate best is I have to be in the middle of something, right? And so I think it's just important that you recognize that your grief grief journey is your own and that you take your time and that you use the resources that your employers, especially if they're an empathic employer, provide to you and just give yourself grace, like you said earlier, each step of the way. And you know, you're right, Casey. Uh, That's really important. Everyone, there are no two grief walks are the same. Everyone's grief journey is unique as their life. And um, I've known many mothers that said, I had to go back to work immediately. If I'd stayed home, I, I would have imploded. I, it was the only thing that got my mind off of my, jo- of my child. Beautiful. Then work that baby. Mm-hmm. You know, work it. Work it. 
Gotcha. So, all right. So very quickly, we're, we're about to run out of time. Okay. Um, how do people get in touch with you? Okay. So um, my, my website is um, the empath empathic employer, just empathic employer. Um, you can also email me amy at amyfulmer.com. And of course, at my staffing company, amy at futuretechstaffing.com. Amazing. Okay, so we are to the point of the show where we do our VIP questions. Are you ready? Um, oh, well, I'll, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> so if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Um, I'd go alone. Okay. Um, I'd take my son's ashes. Okay. I would take my book. Don't trip potato chip. Yeah. And I take the Bible. Very good. Very good. And I'm really curious to hear this. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Oh, this is easy and specific. I set my alarm clock early in bed. I mean, one hour early. Okay. And then I listen to binaural beats. <gasps> oh, I'm just getting into those. So what I do is I have different beats that are entrainment for different areas in my brain that I want to you know, work on. So I put on my binaural beats and I don't even get up. I don't do anything. And I listen to, and I imagine, I don't force my brain, but I imagine what, what is it that I want to accomplish today? What's important for me? In other words, what, instead of like my to-do list, but really what is important for me? Like today, this, this show was important for me. It was very, Aww. it was, what well, was important that maybe I don't look so perfect in the background, but the message getting it across. So I just, asked in, in my mind, how can I show up for the VIP audience in a way that will maybe just help one person, you know? So this is what I do. I've been doing this for over a year and a half now, and man, it's changed my world. I love that. Um, so final question, if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Oh, the grief goddess. Of course it would be. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at thegriefgoddess.com. That is amazing. And you have a YouTube channel too. Is that, are you still doing that? I, yes, I do. But in fact, I just got picked up um, by Blockchain Media. They're going to sponsor my show. That is amazing. Two, that is two amazing. Shows, two shows a week, one on staffing, but they want a whole show on grief. And so they're, they're going to do a full-blown production. They're actually headquartered in, um, in Texas. San Antonio, right? San Antonio. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. well, Amy, thank you so much. I know this is a difficult conversation, but thank you so much for sharing about your new program and for all the work you do for those that have a grief journey and have to go back to work. So I just have one more thing to say to you. Yeah. You are a VIP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.